just while I'm getting this open, how cool is Stephen's mask? Yeah. <laughs> right. His mummy bought him it. I love that. I love that. Oh dear. Well, good morning again. Good morning. I've just got my breath back, I'll be honest, after the dancing there. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. This is the first passage which Jeannie read for us earlier in the service. And the first psalm, uh, which if we've been following the weekly um, reading plan of the psalms, it's the first psalm that we read together this week as our journey in the psalm, um, journey in the summer of the psalms um, continued this week. And I just want to plug that again, a reminder for you that if you haven't already joined us on that journey, that uh, there are sheets on the table on the way out. Just jump in at week three. Just jump in at week three. Don't worry about trying to get caught up. Jump in at week three and we will read the Psalms together. Week three begins tomorrow. Um, so perfect. But Psalm 24 is my favourite passage in all of scripture if you had to tie me down and say what's your favorite this is my favorite and psalm 24 was specifically written for when the ark of the covenant entered into the city of jerusalem under the rule of king david this ark which was a gold covered wooden chest contained the two stone tablets of the ten commandments as well as the staff of Aaron and a golden pot of manna from the time in the wilderness. The holiness of the presence of God dwelt among the people by means of the ark. And David would go on to use the tent in which it was placed, for the temple had not yet been built. He would use the tent for which the ark was placed as a personal place of prayer in and amongst the presence of God. This became a very significant psalm in the life of Jewish people and a very important piece of Jewish liturgical worship and would have been recited by the temple priests on the first day of each week. So every Sunday, the temple priests would recite this psalm and whenever we think about that and we look forward to the new testament it is very likely that as jesus was riding into jerusalem on palm sunday the temple priests were reciting psalm 24 and this psalm is very important not only for the jewish people but for us gathered here today in 21st century northern ireland as this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So with this background fresh in our minds, let's work through the psalm together, gaining further understanding of how the words may be applied to our own lives as the people of God here in East Belfast and beyond. Do you remember in Sunday school or do you remember as a child in school assemblies or just even at good news clubs do you remember singing the children's chorus he's got the whole world in his hands I asked you a similar question a couple of weeks ago and then got you up to sing it I'm not going to ask you to do that 
again as lovely as it was but you know how it goes he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole wide world in his hands and so on and so forth and if you're a wrestling fan you'll know that that song was hijacked by a guy Bray Wyatt who used it as his entrance music as well but that's a wee side note for the wrestling fans amongst us it sings of how God has the whole world in his hands how he has the little bitty baby in his hands how he has you and me brother in his hands he's got everybody in his hands from a young age children are taught of the vastness and majesty of God a God who not only spoke the created order into being but who cares for it holding it in his hands in the first three verses of this psalm we read these words the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers who shall ascend the hill of the lord and who shall stand in his holy place david starts this psalm with praise with awe and with wonder you can almost imagine his face as he pens these words can't you he's wide-eyed his mouth's open he's lost in wonder at the vastness and majesty of god not only did the entire earth belong to god but everyone and everything in it not only was god the lord of the people of israel but he was lord over all the earth over all people the earth is full of god it was he who made it in the first place and it is he who keeps it full nothing happens without his know-how nothing happens without his no so nothing catches him by surprise it is he who clothes the flowers of the field who places the scorching sun in the sky highest ever temperature ever recorded in northern ireland was yesterday in a wee place called bally watercock which is an amazing name right for those who don't know it's a wee townland the size of a field outside newton ards so they should have just said it was in newton ards right but the god who placed that sun in the sky the god who gave heat to that sun the god who watches over the caterpillar in the cocoon during its transformation into a butterfly the god who spoke and separated the water from the earth and called the water sea and the earth land the one who created the water and the earth who made nothing in vain and cares for all that he has made whose eye is on the sparrow and who cares even more so for you the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein 
For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. But who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Now anybody who knows geography reasonably well or anybody who has been to the Holy Land will know that Jerusalem is a city which is built on a hill. It's a city which is built on a hill. When going to Jerusalem, one is always going up to Jerusalem. No matter the angle or the direction from which you come, whether you're entering from the north, south, east or west, you're still always going up to Jerusalem as you approach. And with this in mind, it would have been easy for us and even easier for the original readers and hearers to think that David is talking about the ascent into Jerusalem which was a pilgrimage and still is a pilgrimage for many of the Jewish faith today but thankfully and to be honest after my performance during the kids song quite fortunately for me this has nothing to do with climbing a mountain has nothing to do with hiking the heights or trying to get to the top of a physical hill it's not like in order to enter into the presence of God that we have to climb the equivalent of Cave Hill and take a selfie with Napoleon's nose. But rather, verse 3, the King David is simply asking the questions in light of the vastness and majesty of God. Who has the right to come before him? He's asking, what must I do to get right with God? And folks, this is a question which has been asked down through the years and will continue to be asked as the years go on. And thankfully, the answer is in verse 4. Let's read verse 4 together. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. This sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It would make a great song. It makes the people of God excited. But what does it actually mean? What does it actually mean? We live, and we're currently living in an era of clean hands, aren't we? The time of hands, face, and space. Unless you're a government official, apparently. (laughs) A time where washing our hands has never been seen as more important. And to be honest, it's a little bit of a travesty that it took a global pandemic for people's personal hygiene to get so good, right? And let's continue to wash our hands after the pandemic is declared over. So again, especially now, it would be very easy for us to miss the point of what is being said by the psalmist here when he speaks of clean hands. When he speaks of clean hands, he's not speaking about personal hygiene, although I'm sure he thought that was important too. But rather he's talking, he's not talking about washing our physical hands. Because remember, after all, Pilate washed his hands before Jesus was handed over 
to be crucified. So he couldn't be talking about physical hand washing. Rather here the psalm is speaking about living a life of holiness before a holy God. Holiness in action, not just holiness in words. He or she who has clean hands lives their life for God and to make God known. And their actions are evidence of it. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may enter into his presence, he who has clean hands. But as the psalmist points out, and as Spurgeon points out, the requirements do not stop there. Charles Spurgeon said, clean hands would not suffice unless they be connected with a pure heart. True religion, true holiness, truly following after God, true religion is heart work. Clean hands and a pure heart. We must be holy or pure in both our actions and our intentions. The God of the universe who founded the earth upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. You maybe need to be reminded and I need to be reminded that this God is concerned with our moral behaviour. He cares about the way that we live our lives. He cares about how we act towards others. He cares about what we say to others. He cares about how we care for others and how we think about others he cares what we do for he is a holy God and to be found in his presence to ascend the hill of the Lord his people need to be holy as he is holy to have not lifted up his soul to what is false and not sworn to deceitfully in other words to have rejected idols not only of stone and marble or of bronze or wood, but also idols of the heart. Where other things are allowed to take the place of God in our lives. Things which may not be inherently bad in and of themselves, but we're never supposed to be taking the place of God. Money, family, career, our spouse, our reputation, popularity, image, the list goes on and on. Also the words which come from our mouths are a good indication of the state of the heart. For from the mouth is given an indication of the inner man. The inner woman. In fact, Jesus, tackling the, tackling the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day who had money, who had popularity, who had image, who had reputation, he turns to them and he says in Matthew 12, 34, you brood of vipers, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks 
Did you catch that? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That which goes in will come out. Now, whilst all of these things are true and very important still, it is very key for us to recognise that this psalm was written whilst the old covenant was still in play. And if you don't understand what the old covenant is, I'm going to simplify it a little bit because we use words like old covenant and new covenant in church and we maybe explain it once and then we don't explain it for another five years and all the people in between are going, what, I didn't understand the first time, right? So here's, here's, here's the old covenant in a nutshell and you can read more about this in the book of Deuteronomy. But the premise of the old covenant was simple. God promised to bless and to receive his obedient people. But he also promised that he would curse and afflict them whenever they were disobedient to him. In other words, live a life that is holy and be blessed. Live an unholy life and be afflicted. And as we look at the list of requirements which David provides in Psalm 24, clean hands, pure heart, not lifted up his soul to what is false, not sworn deceitfully, it would be so easy, in fact it's very easy for us to get downhearted, deflated and begin to even feel a sense of defeat because our hands aren't always clean, are they? Our hearts aren't always pure. The pull of other things which aren't God can be strong and can take a foothold in ways that are very, very subtle and can be there without us even realising it until the Spirit or someone else points it out to us. It's easy to look at verse 4 and get down on ourselves and worry about whether or not we're going to make the cut. To worry about whether or not we're worthy. Worrying about whether or not I'm worthy. Or meet the requirements. It's been a wee bit of a theme as we've worked through the Psalms. But I've good news for you this morning. We never tire of good news, do we? We love good news. I have good news for you this morning. The good news is this. We're not an old covenant people. Because God has established a new covenant. A better covenant through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son. The scriptures tell us that it is his righteousness that is given to us as we believe and it is through his righteousness through this righteousness not our own that we may ascend the hill of the lord and stand in his holy place that we may be found in the presence of god lost in wonder love and praise one theologian puts it like this he says under the old covenant a righteous walk was a precondition for fellowship with God. But under the new covenant, a righteous walk is the result 
of fellowship with God, founded by faith. And this doesn't mean that God isn't interested in how we behave. Doesn't mean that he's not interested in how we act or how we think or how we live our lives. Because whether it's the new covenant or the old covenant, God is still interested in these things. And calls us to live lives. And the call of on our lives is still the same. Be holy as I the Lord as I the Lord your God am holy. And it's through the transforming blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that we sung about that will never lose its power. No, never. No, never. Jesus' blood avails for sin forever and will never lose its power. And it's through that transforming blood that we are made worthy. That we are made righteous. And that we may stand in his holy hill. In his presence. Being made righteous. As we continue to be conformed to his image. And church it's really important this morning. That we realise that this takes more than a prayer for forgiveness. This takes more than a prayer for forgiveness. It takes more than simply praying the sinner's prayer. And whilst this is an important first step, we do our Lord a great disservice if we stop there. Because Jesus is very clear of how we are to live. And as Stephen read to us earlier, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, in order for us to ascend into the hill of the Lord, one must first ascend the hill to Golgotha. One must first ascend the hill to Calvary with the crucified Saviour, laying down all, and surrendering all to him. Dying to self. And taking up our cross daily. And following him. That we may say with the Apostle Paul. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord. And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false. And does not swear deceitfully. And I've got more good news this morning. I'm turning into the good news guy, aren't I? It's not a bad, not a bad place to be. But more good news for you this morning. When we live in this way when we take up our cross and follow him the psalmist is clear it says he shall receive blessing from the lord and righteousness from the god of his salvation 
Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. God honours those who honour him. So I want to ask you the question this morning. Are you seeing the blessing of God in your life? Are you seeing the blessing of God in your life today? His steadfast love never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. The scripture tells us that they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So if you're not experiencing the blessing of God today, open yourself up to him. And maybe go and pick up the cross that you put down. Pick up the cross and follow him. Stop holding back. Ask that he would open your eyes to see the blessings which he so freely pours out. For the Lord longs to bless his people. And the greatest blessing that he gives us is that of his presence with us and his righteousness in us. And the irony is, the only way in which we can have clean hands and a pure heart, not lifting up our soul to another nor swearing deceitfully is because of his righteousness at work within us he doesn't say you've got to do this 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 and this and then withhold the means to do it from you he freely gives it he freely gives you the means to do it are we getting it yet are we getting it God gave him of himself that we may be able to ascend his hill and stand in his holy place. And when we take up our cross, trusting in Jesus and living for him, God sees not the sin, not the slip-ups, but he sees the blood of his son and declares us clean, declares us son, declares us daughter, and beckons and welcomes us into his presence where there is fullness of joy. So keep seeking. Keep pressing into Jesus. Keep picking up the cross daily, even with all of its scorns and shames. For you belong to Jesus the King of kings and Lord of lords. For when we seek him, we shall find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. A promise straight from the scripture. And David brings the psalm to a close. Lift up your head, O gates, And be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. If it's in the Bible once, it's important. If it's there twice, it's really, really important. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. There's so much that we could say 
about this passage this morning. But let me leave you with one thought as we tie everything together. The psalmist very clearly makes the assumption that when the gates are opened and when the doors are opened, that the king of glory will come in. He doesn't question it once. He doesn't go, will the the king of glory come in? He says, the king of glory will come in. That whenever God is approached in the correct manner, think, think about clean hands and pure heart. And whenever he is welcomed in, that he will be pleased to come and dwell among us. James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 4, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Jesus himself, in the letter to the church in Laodicea, states, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That was a mic drop moment. You're right. So that begs the question this morning. Will we open up the gates and the doors of our lives and let the king of glory come in? For he will come in. And he will transform, changing us from the inside out and forming you more and more into the likeness of Christ. And as we close our time together this morning with a song, I want you to take the opportunity to respond. We've had a lot thrown at us this morning. A lot of truth has been imparted by the Spirit of God. Don't just walk away. Take time to respond. Take the opportunity to open yourself up to the King of glory that he may come in and rule and reign in your life. That he may impute to you his righteousness, saving from sin, changing you, molding you, that you may be more like him. If you've trusted in God for salvation open yourself to him again and afresh and ask for a fresh infilling of the holy spirit of god for when we open up the doors and the gates he will come in take up your cross once again and follow him and if you've not yet trusted more good news the scripture says that today is the day of salvation and if you've drifted away i want you to know and he wants you to know that he stands there with open arms to welcome you back no questions asked welcome home son welcome home daughter But let us respond. Let us respond during this time of sun worship.
whether we're standing or we're sitting, that the King of glory may come in. Let's worship together.